now is another opportunity I have to meet with all of you. And the important thing with this meeting is in the learning and practicing of the Dhamma. All of us have been born into this world and this is considered a result from our good merit and spiritual potential. This is because being born as a human, having a human body, is something difficult to gain. All of us are born with the high hopes of a mother and father. Because when we begin to be born and our mother knows she is pregnant and will have a child, she has a strong wish that her child will be born with good health, a strong body and with all faculties complete. The mother will have great happiness in her life from the first day that we open our eyes and see the world. From our very first breath we breathe, we are all born with the high hopes and expectations of our mothers and fathers. As our body develops and grows, and when we get to our birthdays, as good Buddhists, we do good acts of merit and goodness in dedication of our parents. Yet if we think on this deeper, we can reflect on our mother who gives us birth and who allowed us to be born. Then we think of the goodness inherent in giving us this breath. Thinking like this, we won't be heedless in our life and we will try to keep building more and more goodness so that we can repay this great kindness our parents have given us with our gratitude. This is a birth in this human body. On a higher level than this birth is the birth of a great sage, Prince Siddhartha, the Bodhisattva or Buddha-to-be, imbued with full parami or fully perfected spiritually. And the birth of this Bodhisattva is the arising of a Buddha. The birth of a Buddha who has a completely purified heart and is a Samasambuddha, that is, a rightly awakened Buddha, all through his own efforts. This is the most difficult type of birth in this world. The Buddha, who after receiving confirmation of future Buddhahood from another Buddha of a previous era, had built his parami or spiritual perfections for four periods of innumerable amount of lifetimes and a hundred thousand aeons, such an incredibly long time. And before receiving this confirmation of Buddhahood, he had to build his parami for sixteen periods of innumerable amount of lifetimes. During all this, our Buddha had to sacrifice, giving up his flesh and blood, and even his own life, many times over, all for the happiness of all other living beings. When remembering this, we should determine to lead our lives in a proper and careful way. We give our homage to the Buddha, who was the great founder of these teachings we follow, whose heart is completely pure and who has the love and compassion for us for such a long, long time. When we give homage and honour to the Buddha, Dhamma and Sangha as our highest refuge and we have met the teachings from the greatest sage who was imbued with the highest wisdom in this universe, then we must follow the path of practice that he taught us to follow. The Buddha teaches 
that we must avoid all evil, cultivate the good, and to purify the mind. So we just follow what he has taught. Then our path becomes very simple. We practice these teachings till it becomes something normal to us. We practice generosity regularly. We keep the five moral precepts consistently. And on the weekends or the lunar observance days, we keep the eight moral precepts. And we put forth effort to practice to reduce our delusion. This delusion that has been in our hearts since birth. But this delusion doesn't arise all the time. It arises when we experience sense objects, that is, sense contact. We have experiencing of external sense objects. This enters inside and enters to the heart. This heart of ours that doesn't have mindfulness sways according to that object. It has liking and attraction or disliking and aversion arise. So the Buddha taught us to establish mindfulness well, establish mindfulness continuously, have a sense of carefulness and knowing oneself. When we have a continuous presence of mindfulness and a clear comprehension of oneself, then when we experience sense contact, we contemplate all those sense objects or associated moods and emotions arising and see them as impermanent, unsatisfactory and with no self. Then our mind is in the middle or centered and there is no liking or disliking present. This here is a middle path that will allow us to see the Dhamma. When we train in this way often, that is training the mind not to get caught into liking or disliking, then whatever posture we are in, whether standing, sitting, walking or lying down, we have to try to have mindfulness. We have mindfulness knowing in this way, not letting our mindfulness slip away. If the mind slips away, then we use the meditation word butto to direct our minds. If our mindfulness is well established, then samadhi or firm one-pointedness of mind will arise. We may have happiness arising from the mind that has peacefulness. This is called rapture and happiness of the mind. This is a dwelling place of the mind. We may have our hairs standing on end, tears flowing, the body feeling very light, or have fullness in the mind and great inner happiness, a type of happiness we have never experienced before. This is the happiness that arises from training the mind and meditating. The mind is peaceful, it is in samadhi and with continuous mindfulness. This is called having a house for the heart. A house is a resting place for the body. A hall, hut or vihara is a house for the body. But mindfulness and samadhi that we have here is the resting place of the heart. In our practice, we need to receive the results of a peaceful mind. And then we will gain confidence and know that this path of practice is the path that we can gain true peace. Having the confidence in this path we are practicing that we will meet with true happiness when we are able to see the Dhamma, 
this will be the highest blessing of our life. Seeing the Dhamma, that means to know the truth of all things in the world, that they are of the nature to be impermanent, unsatisfactory and not a self. But at the moment, our hearts are hearts that still have delusion. It is deluded and attached in material and mental phenomena, seeing them as me and mine. This leads us to have another phenomena called tanha or craving. This is the cause of suffering to arise. All the suffering that arises doesn't arise just out of nowhere. It comes from a cause which leads to its arising. When we have ignorance, craving and attachment, then we have suffering. If there is no ignorance, craving and attachment, then there is no suffering. Thus, suffering can cease with the giving up of craving. To let go of craving, we need to walk the path of sila, samadhi and panya, or morality, concentration and wisdom. We try to improve our mindfulness and develop firm samadhi in order for wisdom to arise. If we can have our knowing keep up with our experience of sense contact, we will be able to see according to the reality of material and mental phenomena that it is impermanent, unsatisfactory and not a self. Then craving will diminish little by little and the suffering we experience will reduce little by little and then the coolness of heart or Nibbana arises in our hearts little by little as well. This coolness that arises little by little is like Nibbana arising little by little. When our faculty of mindfulness and wisdom improves, we will see this body as impermanent. We will see things in the world as simply conventions that are constructed in the mind and all having the nature to arise, stay and to pass away. This body that we call ours, in reality, it is just elements that will break apart. We can't find a self in it. Then the mind separates from this body. The body is one thing and the mind is another. When we understand about the nature of reality like this, the mind will have rapture and inner joy. Those noble disciples of the Buddha vary in their experience here. Some may have rapture arising for three days and three nights on end, and some for seven days and seven nights on end. They gain a feeling of inner fullness and rapture from the seeing of the true reality of nature. When one sees the Dhamma like this, it is called seeing the Buddha another time in the heart. This is because they see the Dhamma. The Buddha said, that whoever sees the Dhamma sees me, the Tathagata. The Buddha is in the Dhamma. When one gets to this point in the practice, all things are seen as emptiness. Emptiness is the Buddha. If we see emptiness, then this is seeing the Buddha. We become a true, noble disciple of the Buddha. Venerable Ajahn Chah said, Wasn't the Buddha born in Thailand? When I heard this, I was still a young monk and was confused on hearing this. 
but this refers to seeing the Buddha within the heart. This Buddha within the heart you are capable of seeing anywhere. Today you have come here to sit meditation and reflect on the Dhamma. You hear the Dhamma and contemplate it and if you can see the truth, you can accept it and gain confidence in the truth. Then the mind is bright and has emptiness. It's like we see the Dhamma. We see the Buddha. That's all. The accompanying rapture and joy from understanding the Dhamma arises deeply and we have no more doubts about the practice. The things we used to have that were heavy or what we call our attachments, they reduce and diminish. The things that we get in the practice of Dhamma, we get from giving things up. However much we can let go of wrong views, this is how much we can gain right views. Or we could say, however much we gain right views is how much we can get rid of wrong views. And with this, our suffering reduces. And then, the permanent and lasting happiness arises. This is what we call Nibbana. All this starts from your practice of generosity, keeping the five moral precepts and practicing Dhamma. This is a practice you can do even if you have a family. You try to have mindfulness to have a lot of restraint over your actions and speech. You practice Dhamma till the mind can be firmly established in Samadhi. So it can be a resting place for the heart. And you build your wisdom and knowledge, being able to see the rise and fall of all things. Then this will lead to a strong faith and confidence. If our minds get to this point, we will be called a true disciple of the Buddha, a noble disciple that brings the Dhamma that is within one's heart already and continues to spread the Buddha's teachings to others. No matter what country one is in, our goal in the beginning is to make one's heart have the venerable qualities of a true monk and then to help grow these venerable qualities of a monk in those with faith and confidence. This is important. It's not that we try to replace anyone, but we practice to become a true disciple of the Buddha. This is the cornerstone of the practice. So may all of you faithful devotees be determined in your practice. Reflect on your past good actions and virtues and practice a lot. Because this human birth of ours has been supported by our mother and father who gave us this life. And since we have this breath of ours, we should reflect on them. When our birthday comes around, we should think of our parents a lot. Our mother who had to bear with a lot of difficulties having us in her womb. From conception till we were born as a baby, our parents nursed and cared for us, gave us food and water, looked after us in happiness and in suffering. They were there for us always until we grew up, helped us gain an education and learn different skills and abilities. They were our starting point, giving us life, flesh and blood, giving us everything. We are able to have today because our parents gave this day to us. When it comes time for our birthday every year, we should think and reflect on them 
and build goodness and virtue towards them. May you all grow in blessings.